Hello to all of our amazing listeners and welcome to season two of Northern Lives. My name is Dallin and as always, I'll be your host for this entire season. Now, before we get into this episode, I just wanted to take a moment to thank everyone who listened to the first season of Northern Lives. When we started this podcast last year, our goal was to share stories. We wanted to hear the stories of our students, our staff, our alumni, and members of our communities. From young authors to millennial entrepreneurs, video game developers, and even the Minister of Education, we have been so thrilled and excited with the guests that we've had and the people who have listened. Whether you tuned into every single episode or just a portion of one, season one was a success far beyond what we imagined that it would be. And that's because of the people who listen. So on behalf of myself and Northern Lights Public Schools, thank you. And we hope that season two will be just as interesting and educational as season one. So let's get to it. According to the Coffee Association of Canada, the average Canadian consumed over 100 liters of coffee in 2017. 71% of Canadians drink coffee every single day, and more Canadians drink coffee than they do tap water or bottled water. And we know that a lot of our amazing teachers wouldn't be able to function without their daily coffee as well. So we're talking to a man who's made coffee his passion and his career and finding out how he got there. Kieran Wheeler lives in Cold Lake and owns Elevate Coffee Roasters. He imports and roasts his own beans and sells them in local supermarkets and cafes. Kieran took the time to speak with me about the science of roasting coffee and showed me the ropes. So you graduated from Grand Center High School at the time. That's correct. Uh, which is now Cold Lake High School. And you've gone on to create your own uh, coffee roaster, coffee roasting business right here on Cold Lake. So tell me a little bit about your story. How did you go from, you know, just in high school to where you are now with your own coffee roasting business? Right. So, um, yeah, so I graduated in 2003 from, from the high school, uh, went to university, uh, pursued, um, yeah, a degree in theology and, uh, ended up kind of living a little in BC and, uh, we spent a little bit of time in Ecuador. Um, I ended up coming back to Cold Lake because of a health issue, uh, with my back. And so, um, ended up being here for the last eight years and uh, my pa- my family's still here and uh, over that time met my wife here and uh, worked in a couple different positions uh, in town and in the oil field and uh, last year um, things were slowing down in the area and I had always been interested in in running a business um, it was always something that appealed to me and uh, over the last few years, I had roasted coffee as a hobby. Um, it was something that I kind of developed a passion for and a love for. Um, really good tasting coffee, realizing that not all coffee is the same. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a big range in, in how stuff tastes. And and so, yeah, I just started doing it as a hobby. And, and uh, as I thought about opportunities in the area to, uh, to start a business, this is one that appealed to me because it's something I'm interested in. Um, and was already doing on some level and uh, yeah and just started to get excited about it and, and, and look at the different options and opportunities that were out there and um, 
and yeah, so that's kind of what took me to, to start walking down that road. Now, did you have any experiences or, or teachers or things that you learned in high school that have contributed to what you're doing now roasting coffee? Right. Um, one of the things that I've learned, I guess, since, since graduating from high school is I have a, I, I guess I really underestimated um, how interesting learning about things can be. Mm. Um, and so some of the things that, that I was really naturally interested in in high school, you know, physics was my favorite subject. Um, physics for me was like, hey, if a train's going this fast and, it, and you know, it's slowing down at this rate, how long is it going to take to stop? And like those things, that was a real world like problem. Like practical value. Yeah, practical yeah. F- problem that you could, you could have. And so I naturally really enjoyed that stuff. Um, and so... Uh, chemistry, uh, you know, was another thing, learning about changes in, in chemical, um, you know, Mr. Johnson actually is still uh, teaching there. He was my chemistry teacher in high school. And um, yeah, and so basically when it came to um, learning about those things, like a lot of that stuff applies to coffee. And so my, I guess, personality is to be fairly mechanically inclined. Like I want to figure out how things work and how, how to fix them or how to make them better. And so with coffee, we have a lot of that same things happening. Um, I remember in grade 10, we had a science experiment talking about um, temperature changing in, in water and how, you know, you, you start putting tons of energy in as, as water approaches the boiling point, you're putting lots of water or lots of energy in and, and the temperature is actually not changing much because you're changing the, or you're changing the state of the matter, you're turning it into steam. And so. I know that's kind of boring for a lot of people, but <laughs> with uh, with coffee, you're having the same thing. You're you're applying heat to a product, and it's changing, and um, you're wanting to log that change, and, and all of that stuff affects the taste of the coffee. And so, um, those are the kind of things that I I kind of think back to in high school about man, like this basis that I had of science that I probably went to university with not really feeling like it was going to be useful at mm-hmm. all it's something i think back to now um and and i'm like oh man this is actually really really applicable and so um the only other thing i'll add to that is a lot of the teachers that i had through high school <clears throat> even in junior high um, i still see around town and and they're really one of the pr- pictures i get from them is uh just how invested in uh, education they are because they still care about how you're doing it puts a smile on their mm. face if they know hey i taught this kid and they're right. doing okay <laughs> and, um seeing that care that uh that i've actually got to look back on um from the from a lot of the staff that i or the, the faculty that that i was taught by is is pretty interesting thing and it's an encouraging thing to know that hey that was those are people that actually cared for you and so mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so there's like you said a lot of science that goes into coffee roasting tell me a little bit about what the process is so you have your big bags of coffee beans sitting here on the shelf right here where do you go from there what happens afterwards right so we're bringing yeah so we bring in a coffee about a pallet at a time it comes processed so coffee's um you know obviously not able to be grown here in, in cold lake so we bring that in um and so we'll take that we'll weigh it we'll roast it in our roaster and that basically for, I mean, what we're doing there is we're applying heat um, in a very consistent and constant way. Um, and then we want to measure how much heat we're applying, how that bean is changing, because all of that actually changes the taste of the coffee. Um, 
And effectively what you're doing is you're bringing the coffee to a point. So for a dark roast, for instance, you're kind of getting to the, the point where you're burning the coffee. Mm. Um, there's a smoke that's being produced throughout that. And, uh, and so when people say they like dark roast, a lot of the times what they like about that is some of the burnt notes and the burnt flavors that come out of that dark roast coffee. And so, um, yeah, so that's basically the roasting part of it. We'll, we'll drop that into our cooling tray, it cools. Um, then we're taking, taking that and uh, basically weighing it out and bagging it. Um, you know, coffee, once it's roasted, it, it kind of tastes best within, like after a couple days. Okay. Um, there's a lot of carbon dioxide that it gives off. It gives us about two and a half times its volume in carbon mm. dioxide after it's been roasted. So quite a bit then. Yeah, and so if you see a lot of coffee bags, sometimes they're inflated right. or they have that valve on them. And what that does mm. is it allows the carbon dioxide or the, it basically prevents the bag from blowing up. Right. Um, and so it, it can let gases out, but it can't let it in. And so, um, yeah, so that's the bagging part that, I mean, that helps keep it, keep the coffee fresh as well. And so, uh, once it's sealed from there, um, we roast to order as well. So we're not roasting a bunch and having it sit. It's, it's when right. people, you know, or, or Sobeys is, is low. So we need to bag some coffee or we need to roast and bag some coffee and then we'll deliver it that way. So. Are there like, uh, are, are there trends in coffee drinking and, and flavors that you try to keep up with? Um, yeah, I, I think like with coffee, it's honestly, it's a little bit of an overwhelming rabbit hole of information. Mm. Um, it is a huge industry and there, there's a very, you know, they, they call what this is, is they call it the third wave of coffee. So if you have the first wave being, you know, Maxwell house, you know, even instant coffee, um, or Tim Hortons, for instance, mm -hmm. uh, you know, the second wave of coffee was these these Starbucks chains and, and things right. like that happening. And then third wave coffee is, is kind of this even different um, trend that's developing of really trying to improve the quality, uh, improve the taste of it. And it's often seen as a little bit, may, maybe tastes, tastes a little bit different than what people expect, or it can taste a lot different. Mm -hmm. uh, for instance, I had a friend I took to a place in, in Calgary and I said, this is one of my favorite coffee places. And he tasted it. And he's like, is it flavored? And I'm like, no. <laughs> he's like, no, it tastes like blueberries. And he, he, he didn't actually like it. But, uh, he, thought it was, he thought it was like a flavored coffee. And, um, you know, some of the lighter, when you roast light with a really good quality bean, you, mm -hmm. can, you can bring out a lot of flavors that you wouldn't actually expect. All just naturally occurring within the yeah, bean itself. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So on your end here... Um, is there anything that, that you do personally, uh, you know, while you're roasting or afterwards or whatever the case may be, where you can kind of test for uh, flavor consistency and make sure that you're on the right track? Yeah, we basically the industry standard is um, is to do cupping, which uh, sounds a little odd. And so you, basically you're pour, you know, you're making coffee with uh, with a very specific method and it's actually a very scientific method if, if anybody who's interested in looking it up they can check out the specialty coffee association of america and they have cupping parameters and so you have oh, wow. to use this temperature water and this amount of coffee and the goal is to say if we're tasting our coffee consistently the same way we're easier you know it's gonna be easier to identify any changes to that coffee mm -hmm. and so um, you know, if you didn't have some sort of scientific method to do that, 
um, you know, where you're not saying, oh, the water is this or the, you know, that those things alone can change the taste of the coffee. And so you might be um, kind of, yeah, chasing something that's not there. Right. Um, so, so that's one of the things we do is want to make sure we're tasting it and trying it and making sure it's, it's, it's um, similar. And so the other aspect of that is um, data logging. So because we're, you know, that's a big, um, how the coffee's roasted and how the heat is applied to it, changing that will change the taste of the coffee um, regardless. And so we uh, we basically just measure measure our bean temperature um, as as much stuff as we can about airflow, and we want to try to um, roast the coffee in the exact same way that we roasted it um, the first time, or or the time that we decided that hey this is what we like, and so we might make changes that are are our means to say oh this is actually better if we do it this way, and so right. we'll try to em- we'll try to consistently keep those changes throughout. Um, you know, roasting that coffee. Cool. Now, do you mind if we kind of head back over this way again and kind of show me, show me like visually what the process is a little bit of like that? So from, from the bags here, where do we go? So we'll take, uh, basically I'll wait out, um, the amount of coffee that we're going to use for our bat for that batch. Mm-hmm. Um, so this is a raw pro- raw product, um, and then we're going to apply it, put it in our, our loading hopper here. Up on the top here. Yeah, and then uh, we'll start our we'll start our um, our data logging process here, so that we're we're watching what we're doing. You'll hear a beep in a sec. Well, actually, yeah, I can just leave it like that. So yeah, so on here we're actually getting real time data okay. of the bean temperature and the environment temperature, and then as that changes, we would see some some other things on the graph about rate of change and stuff. So, so yeah, um, once we're up to temperature, we preheat our drum, and then once we get to that preheated temperature, we will then we, we're trying to eliminate as many variables in the roasting process as possible. And so, heating our drum up and letting it get nice and hot and 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 consistent, right? Right. Um, like preheating so, the oven at home. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, so this, you know, we'll take, we'll give it about a half an hour to 40 minutes to really get hot. Um, because when we start putting the beans in there, we don't want the, the heat from the, the burners to have to continually heat the roaster up more because we want that heat going into our coffee and that, to maintain, help with the consistency. And so, right. so yeah, in here, um, this is basically just turning over. It's got paddles inside. It's turning the coffee over. And, and this then, main sort of section here. Yeah, 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 yeah. This is really thick steel. Uh, this unit is probably like you know seven hundred pounds, eight hundred pounds. Oh wow! And so uh, it took six very helpful friends to <laughs> to, to get it into place and like moving um, a piano. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And to say this is one of the smaller roasters. This one's actually built in Turkey, but uh, this is one of the smaller roasters that you can get right for for production. Um, so throughout the roasting process, we can we can uh, try our coffee. We can smell it. We can. This is called the trier. Okay. Um, and so you just pull it out, look at it, see how it's developing, and all of that is very helpful in in uh, in roasting coffee. And uh, most people would argue that this is more important than that. You would want to rely on the smells and the what's actually happening with the coffee mm-hmm. and looking at it. Um, more than you'd want to rely on the data logging, but both are, are very helpful tools. And so, 
Uh, yeah, so once it's from here, once it's done here, once we hit our target temperature, so for us, um, you know, we have different temperatures for different roast levels that, that we roast to. And so mm -hmm. when our coffee hits, you know, 407 degrees, we're going to pull it out, um, drop it, and we want it to cool as quickly as possible. It still actually roasts a little bit okay, yeah. in the cooling tray. And this is the cooling tray right here? Yeah, yeah. so okay. this will stir the coffee and uh and then it'll pull air through the coffee and then exhaust it to the outside okay um there's a lot of smoke that's actually produced in in coffee roasting especially as you get into those reactions the, the reaction that you have when you brown your steak or when you mm -hmm. um you know any any kind of browning reaction is called the Maillard reaction and uh it's the same reaction that's taking place with coffee you're taking it from green and you're bringing it to brown right um and so so that roasting is a, you, I think, I think it's like you have 20 molecules that you start with and you end up with 200 to 400 okay. different chemicals in the coffee. And so there's a lot of chemical change that's taking place when you're roasting. Mm -hmm. um, so anyway, that happens in here. Uh, we will then uh, put it into our waste scale and then uh, weigh it out. Sometimes we'll let the coffee rest in our uh, containers and then, um, and degas a little bit that way. But Often I like to bag it right away because then it uh, it can degas in the bag and, mm -hmm. and maintain freshness and, and go from there. So, yeah. Thank you so much. This has been really interesting. And next time I'm at the store and I, you know, smell that coffee aisle, I know there's a lot more work that goes into roasting those beans than, than anyone might just assume. There's a lot more, you know, science and technique and, and fine management than, than you might think. Yeah. Well, thank you very much, Dallin. Yeah. I appreciate you coming by. Absolutely. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Northern Lives. If you or someone that you know has a story that you think should be featured on our podcast, send an email to northernlives at nlsd.ab.ca and tell us about it. You can also get in touch with us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at NLPSAB. Thanks again for listening. We'll catch you next time.